Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Father God, lead us this morning by your word and spirit to find freedom and peace in Christ. Ready us to hear your word well and receive it with joy. Amen. Okay, I'm going to be starting off in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. He held us back. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. It's bound to happen. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass. And just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to you to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now, we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see, your, see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, May our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. What do you miss this morning? 
Perhaps it's family. Someone that has died or that you've moved away from. Or it may even be those family members that you had to move away from in order to survive them. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's a place that for you is uh, a symbol of a a season of life that was fruitful and life-giving, full of growth. Or maybe you dream of that place. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. And you, you long for it. Maybe for you, or for someone you know, everything up to this point has been disappointment, struggle, experiences of evil, and you fear that your life will most likely be bookended with pain. Maybe that sounds too strong, but for someone it isn't. They or you are longing for that one good season of life. C.S. Lewis, a very uh, well-known writer and theologian, said this, the fact that our heart yearns for something that earth cannot supply is proof that heaven must be our home. By heaven here, he, he means life spent forever with God and His people experiencing the fullness of His blessings. Maybe you miss something more simple than all of that, though. Maybe it's just a meal. Something that tastes like home to you. What do you miss? What do you pine after? What is something that you long for and the memory of it hurts you? One thing that I long for always is a very specific kind of Vietnamese soup. That's true. I can't find it here in South Africa. I had many bowls of it when we were in America, and now I miss it. While we were away, I'm being kind of funny with you, I missed Muddy, okay? I missed Muddy, and Rod and Hanania took good care of Muddy, better care, actually, than I take care of Muddy. Um, and believe it or not, I, I'm a little bit ashamed of how much I missed Muddy. I, I grew sad many times thinking about him, and I am not a dog person, and, or at least I didn't want to be. I told Tara and the kids, don't you dare go get that dog from the place over here, because... I, I will love him. I will love him, and then I will miss him, and then it will hurt. And you know what? They did it anyway. They did it anyway. <laughs> but more closely to what Paul is talking about is what I experienced over the last 12 weeks of being away. I don't know if you know this, but South Africa is six hours in the future. You guys live in the future compared to America. Uh, <laughs> And I missed being away from our church. I, I awoke in the night, at least for the first many weeks, um, first to worry and then to pray. Uh, mostly to worry 
and then eventually to pray. And when Sunday morning in America came around, I took a deep breath, calming myself, because I knew at that point that uh, your service was over. And no matter what happened, it was done. I, I, I also took a deep breath because I would largely argue that for the most part, you had a better preacher or teacher than me standing before you. And on top of that, um, you have a Savior that cares for you more than I do, and that you had a helper in God, the Holy Spirit, that guides you in life more than I ever could. But if you miss a people or a person, as is the case with Paul here, you know that the pain is not one-sided. The Thessalonians, which is an extremely hard word to say, the Thessalonians here are clearly wondering where Paul and his crew of disciple-makers is at. In chapter 1, uh, Paul is calming their obvious concerns and questions. Did they make it to the next city? Are they okay? Um, are, they, are they uninjured, right? Did they make it out of the city before the changing work of Jesus got them hurt. And throughout chapter 2, he tells us and reminds them that he warned them about the suffering that would take place. He warned them that there would be pain and persecution, and it was true. Yet Paul says this is about the church um, that, yet Paul says this about the church there, that we, we read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We give thanks to God always for you all, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Now these are beautiful and these are encouraging words. I'm sure you could put some of them on a coffee cup or something. Uh, but there's something else here that we need to touch on that will relate to the end of chapter 3 today. In these verses, there is a talk of work and labor and steadfastness. All action words, right? All words of, of strain, of strenuousness. And the drive, the, the, the passion to work, uh, their continued desire to labor, um, and, and their steadfastness, uh, their, their strength to stand firm, it did not come from endless happy thoughts or because of physical blessings that God had given to the Thess Thessalonians. This active faith that they have is, is rooted, it's planted in Jesus Christ. Faith Love and hope here have been given to these believers as good gifts from a good Father. And these good gifts have produced a fruit in them, 
a fruit of work and labor and steadfastness through Jesus' perfect person and work on the cross for them. When we studied 1 Peter together, we learned something related to this. The suffering they endure is not there so that God can figure out if their faith is real. Instead, they are tested by suffering to show them how genuine the faith that they have been given truly is. We do not need to prove a thing to God. He has done it for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, 6-7 reads as this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christian, God does not test you. God does not test you for His sake. He does it to show you His faithfulness and to strengthen your faith. He proves to you and He has proven to these people in Thessalonica that their faith is real and that it is really secure. So finally, here's our big idea for the day. Okay. In heartache, suffering, and opposition, Jesus is hope and salvation for you. We, we could probably stop there, okay? But I want to marinate, uh, sorry, meditate. I want to meditate on, I don't, the word meditate's just fine, but it reminds me of something that's very quiet and serious and solemn. I like the word marinate, okay? Like you're, you're, Soaking some meat and some delicious juices, okay? Um, so we're going to marinate in the Word for a little bit, okay? Um, throughout chapter 1, we have this picture language in First Thessalonians of motherhood and fatherhood. And Paul uses it to describe the way that he feels his affections for, but then also his dedication to the church of the Thessalonians. So he loves them as much as a mother. He's dedicated to them like a mother. He loves them like a father. He's dedicated to them like a good father. And here in verse 17, Paul keeps with this language by use of the phrase torn away. In chapter 2, verse 17, he says, being torn away from you. And this is the same Greek word that's used in other places to say um, like a child being ripped from a mother's arms and taken away from them. Paul says, this is how I feel. I feel like you were a child that was ripped from my arms. And Paul adds another word there. He says, brother, or brothers, brothers and sisters. And what he's doing here is he's extending the family language, right? He's already called them his children. Uh, He's already said that he's the mother, he's the father. Now, they're his brothers and sisters, And really what he's saying is, you were everything to me, and I was everything to you. 
and we were torn apart from one another. In verse 18, we see why Paul believes this has happened. Satan, the tempter, the accuser. Now, why does he say it's it's Satan? He doesn't say. (laughs) He just knows that it is. He states it as fact, which for you and for me, we always need to keep in mind because if Paul can simply state that as fact, you know what that tells us? Simply stated, Satan is real and he's really working. Martin Luther uh, said many things about Satan. Uh, This is not my favorite quotation. Most of those are laced with curse words. Um, But this is a good one, okay? Whenever the true message of the cross is destroyed, the anger of hypocrites and heretics stops, and all things are at peace. This is a sure sign that the devil is guarding the entry to the house and that the pure doctrine of God's word has been taken away. The church then is in its best state when Satan attacks it on every side, both with little gestures and with outright violence. In the same way, it is in the worst shape when it is most at peace. So here, when Paul says that Satan has kept him from going to the church, we can actually read this as a good thing. We can read this as a good thing because it is a compliment to our God who so effectively, who so perfectly works salvation that Satan would do anything like delaying someone's travel schedule just to try to discourage someone. It is a compliment that Satan would deem it necessary to keep Paul away from these saints and to make them just maybe doubt that this whole Jesus thing never actually took hold in their life. In chapter 3, the reason why Timothy, one of Paul's sons in the faith, was sent to the church is shown. Paul had anxiety. He feared that these young believers would be convinced by the sword to shame their witness. Or that perhaps they misunderstood the ploys of the devil to be signs that their faith wasn't strong enough. Verse 5 states that Paul could bear it no longer, and so he sent Timothy. Me personally, I don't want to be a worrisome person. Uh, But I fear the same thing, and I feared the same thing for our church while I was away. Uh, And again, don't, don't take that as, I don't think that I'm the glue that holds this thing together. That's clearly not true. But I did fear that the culture that we are surrounded by is too strong. I fear that many of you that are told everywhere else in this world that you have no true home, that you would maybe, just maybe believe the accuser's lies about you. And I fear that all of us could become just a little too comfortable 
uh, are a little too uncomfortable being with different kinds of people to be together. That we would all grow too comfortable being in our own separate culture groups and not minister to or be ministered to by our brothers and sisters as we should. Other than being a church that is faithful and fulfilling all that it seems that Scripture would ask of us, our calling here at Mountain View Hermanus is to work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to worship and as we scatter to share the good news about the person and work of Jesus. This is the work that has specifically been placed um, in my hands as pastor. And I feared that in our absence, that work uh, would have been done in vain. But many of you, thankfully, acted like Timothy for me. And as I was up worried at night, when I re-woke up at 6 o'clock, I would have a nice little message that said, nothing blew up today at church. Starting in verse 6 of chapter, C, chapter 3, we see that Timothy comforted Paul with the good news that these young believers had not only grasped this faith, but that it was already bearing fruit because of the work that Jesus did for them on the cross. And they knew that they could not just sit around and squander the freedom that they had received from Christ. That they had not simply been saved from themselves and Satan and sin and death and hell, but they had been saved to something. That they had been blessed to be a blessing. Verse 8 to verse 10 reads like this, For now we live, Paul saying, you are keeping me going in ministry if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And this is what we call mutual encouragement. Paul wants to give them the same gift that they have given to him. A strengthened resolve and assurance that where the word of God is heard, and again, Jesus is the word, right? His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his coming again is the good news. And the word, where it is heard, people are changed. Paul hopes just to encourage them in the smallest way. The end of the chapter. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. Throughout Thessalonians, we read this word love. And yet, all too easily, we think of a very fluffy kind of love. Love that you and I get to define. Acts of love that 
make us feel good after we've done them. Love that is easy. We do not often think of the stubborn love of our God, or if you've ever paid attention to the the children's videos that we sometimes play, it's described like this, the never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love of God that has been made visible to us in Jesus. That kind of love is a self-sacrificing love. A love that gives away all of itself. A love that empties itself until there is nothing left. That is the love that these believers in Thessalonica have shown. Some evidence of. This is the kind of love that Paul hopes they show more and more to have. A good good fruit grown by the Holy Spirit that is a good gift given to them by a good and perfect Father. If you have ever tried to exert that kind of love, you know as well as I do that you've failed. You run out of steam. You run out of energy. You give half of yourself and you're finished. You're frustrated. You may say, no, no, I I have showed that kind of love. No, I at least did my best. And you know what? That's good. If you've done that, you've done well, brother or sister in Christ. But believe me when I tell you that you have also, and I have also, fallen very short in the showing love department. And be reminded that it is only a good work of love because God made and gave you that good work so that you could walk in it. Ephesians 2.10 Paul prays here not that you try your best, though you should try your best, and throughout all of Thessalonians, he's going to tell us to do that. Paul instead prays that you will be blameless and completely holy. When Christ gathers you and you are before the Father, your best attempts will not be what is remembered, and they will not be what you desire to be remembered either. The only thing that you will be known for is the blamelessness and the holiness that He builds up in you. You will only be known for the love, the holiness, blamelessness, that are yours in Jesus. And for that, we can say thank God. You will not be known for the filthy rags that you wear this morning, but instead for the righteous robes given to you by Jesus when He bled and died for you on the cross. As you stand before the Father, He will see a son or daughter made right and righteous because of the one who carried your sin and became a curse for you. Our big idea, in heartache, suffering, and opposition, Jesus is hope and salvation for you. Let me pray. Father,
Establish our hearts blameless in holiness by your Holy Spirit before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.